Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the Fatherhood Authority, Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you again for joining us on I Am Dad Podcast. We are always excited to have you. We are excited about your um, feedback, about your sharing, about your comments, about your questions, about your suggestions and recommendations for guests that I get overwhelmingly. And, I'll, and trust me, I take everyone into consideration, you know, as we move along in having this conversation about responsible fatherhood. There's so much to talk about, you know, and we can't talk about everything in one week. I don't plan on going anywhere. We are now moving into the next kind of four shows that air uh, we're beginning to move into our third season i never thought that i would be doing this thing for this long i thought that i would do this for a couple of months and it would fizzle out and i get tired and bored with it and i would move on to something new you know and here we are some 75 i believe almost 75 episodes in <clears throat> and we're still rolling and it doesn't have any signs of slowing down and the guests you know are always significant and phenomenal in the space that they're in and it gives us the ability um, to extend the voice and to lend credibility to this conversation around fatherhood but more specifically for myself and my guest today there is this passion to narrowly focus specifically on black men and black fathers thereof um, because we get lost in the conversation and we get lost in the work and people are always attempting to dilute our message by questioning why don't we talk to all dads. You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> when people go to the emergency room, they never ask the emergency room doctors, why do you serve all patients? Because they do serve all patients. But the nuance and yes. how they serve those patients is the ones who are suffering the worst and have the, the greatest probability of death are served and given priority. Absolutely. So when you look at it through that paradigm, that is why black fathers in particular are my focus in the broader work that I do with respect to Fathers Incorporated. And my guest today um, is in the same space and we get to talk about this. Um, his name is Donald Morton and he is a highly esteemed figure in the realm of black male empowerment. Renowned for his exceptional achievements and expertise as the founder and chief visionary officer of Remand, a leading coaching and consulting firm dedicated to adult black males. Donald has revolutionized the lives of countless individuals. His success story is truly inspirational, having been recognized by a black, by the black enterprise modern man, which I had that distinction as well. Um, he has not only excelled in his professional endeavors, but he has also fostered a love of loving family, his wife Maria, and raising three accomplished adult children. Give him a hand clap for that, because that's no small feat. 
um, who stand as a testament to his exceptional parenting. He's a prolific author. Donald has penned the critically acclaimed book, The Reman Book, which delves into the core principles and strategies and personal and professional growth specifically tailored to adult black males. His profound insights and practical guidance has propelled many individuals to realize their full potential and achieve remarkable success. What's going on, brother? Man, I'm excited to be with you. Before we get into any conversation, I just have to say there's no smoke, right? You, you are the GOAT um, as it relates to this conversation about dads. Uh, you and I share a uh, friend, Patrick Patterson, um, and the, the work that you do at the level that you do it is incomparable. Thank you for thinking about us uh, as black males, black fathers, who are oftentimes, as you've stated, missing in the conversation. Uh, so having an inordinate amount of respect for you. Uh, my wife, Marla, and I talk about you all the time mm -hmm. and uh, just a, a, a tremendous, tremendous brother. So I'm grateful to be here with you today. Thank you so much. And let her know that I apologize for mispronouncing her name. You know, when we see letters sometimes that, that old school <laughs> right. dyslexia, no matter what it says on the paper, it says something else to our brain. So I apologize Absolutely. to my wife for miss, because uh, I'm big on names. I'm big on sure. making sure that you pronounce people's names correctly, because when you don't, you dismiss the power of names. Yes, sir. It's the power of why parents chose and why God chose specific names for specific yes, people. Sir. Right. Yes, and sir. So when I say that, I don't say that lightly. I say apologize to her for, oh, um, for sure, for misrepresenting for sure. her power that we for recognize sure. that. And yes, so sir. do me a favor, because we start all of our shows off with um, our guests telling us their daddy story. Tell me your daddy story. Yeah, man. I uh, are. Are you talking about my father? Either my way, father? either way, or both yeah, ways. I, I, I like to talk about my father, man, because um, my dad did the best he could with what he had. Right. Uh, my father. Uh, I grew up in a two-parent household. My mom, my dad. They were married for ten years. Ten volatile years. Right. And my dad, um, I like to say he left me three times. Mm. Right. Um, because while he was in the house, man, he didn't really engage with me, didn't have a whole lot of emotional connection with me. So while he was physically present, he was emotionally absent. That's the mm. first time he left me. Right. Mm. He and my mother had uh, such a volatile relationship that they fought every weekend. My dad was an alcoholic. And so my mom, while she could hold her liquor, she, she, was, <laughs> she was equally uh, strong with, with alcohol. And they would, they would play pinochle, they would drink, and they would fight, right? Mm -hmm. uh, until both of them decided it was just no good for... Uh, for them to be together anymore. And my dad moved 
from Delaware, which is where I'm originally from. I'm in Atlanta now, but moved from Delaware to Long Beach, California. Now, you got you to gotta kind of tap into the mind of an eight-year-old, right? As an eight-year-old boy, uh, you can't get any further across the country from, from Delaware than Long Beach, California. So he left me twice, mm. right? He leaves mm. me emotionally, even though he's in the house, he leaves me geographically all the way across the country. And then uh, one day my mom and dad decide they're going to get it together. And he was coming home. And I remember her saying, hey, your dad's coming home. We're going to work it out. And I'm, I'm excited as a little boy. I come home one day uh, from school. My mom promised me we were going to go to the movies. And so she, she says to me, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. My nickname's Buddy, right? So she said, Buddy, I need to talk to you. And I saw this look in her eyes, man, where I knew something was wrong. And I said, I said, what's What's wrong? We're not going to the movies. And she said, no, we're not going to the movies. And I said, okay. She said, your dad died. Mm. So I said, okay, so let me get this straight. This, this is going on in my mind. Let me get this straight. The dude wants nothing to do with me while in the house. And then he leaves geographically. He leaves me twice. And then before he can even return to make things right, he dies on me. Mm. Three times the dude leaves me. But what I never understood until much later, my grandmother uh, sent a letter that my, my dad wrote uh, when he was in Long Beach. And he said, he said, how's my son? And my grandma obviously said he's good. And he said, please tell him I loved him. I didn't know how to be a dad. Mm. I just didn't know how to be a dad. I found out later on, my dad didn't know his dad, mm. right? I got an opportunity to meet his father, my grandfather. He never got an opportunity to meet uh, his father. So there's a lot my dad didn't know. And can I tell you that to, till this day, he's my hero because he tried. He gave the best he could with what he had I hold nothing against him. Uh, at the funeral, I was angry. Everybody crying and saying, buddy, you can cry. Man, I ain't crying. In mm. that casket is a bunch of unanswered questions mm. that nobody can answer for me about identity and purpose and who I am as a man. Thank God for my mother, but she couldn't answer those questions for me, man. So it wasn't until later on that I really came to terms with the fact that my dad was a loving dude. He didn't have the tools and it represented a countless number of black dads who are in the same boat, uh, trying to really figure out how to raise young men and young ladies, uh, when they have themselves not been raised in the same way. Mm -hmm. Donald, so important. I mean, man, you put a lot of stuff in that back in, in that bag, brother, we can spend three hours just talking about that bag in and of itself. Yes, you know, but one of the things I, I'm loving about and going to love about this conversation that we're having, you know, for Fathers Incorporated, my focus is, you know, fatherhood and making sure that men um, have the capacity that they desire to be in the lives of their family in a healthy way. 
and your organization is focused on males and people will dismiss the part of the work of working specifically with males and detach that work from fathers, right? And it's interesting because I always say this, and that is, you know, whenever people create or programs create um, initiatives for women, like they never detach the fact of them being moms from the fact that they're women. Like they take women into consideration when they talk about motherhood. Right. In some strange way, when we talk about fatherhood, we want to dismiss the fact that they're men and we don't want to attach those two, those two things together. And so what you said in there, particularly when you said that he said, I didn't know, like people minimize that statement. I didn't know. Well, if you didn't know, um, you should have asked somebody. Mm. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, that's right. That's not the nature of a man. That's right. We don't ask for nothing. We either try to figure it out. That's or right. Walk away from it. If you don't believe me, be in a car with any man who doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody Absolutely. in the car, as soon as Clooney's wife, honey, just pull over to the gas station and ask for a direction. Nah, I got this. I got this. That's not about being a dad. All his kids are in the car, his entire That's family right. in the car. But nah, I got this because I'm not That's admitting right. that I don't know where I am, but I'm going to figure right. out how to get here. Or you know That's what? Right. We're going to go back home and I'm going to blame it on the <laughs> engine or something in the car. I'm not so when you think about this work, like what made you think about creating Reman? Yeah, uh, great question, man. I, I, for me, I found an inextricable connection between character and manhood. I'm I'm a guy, and 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 I I believe personally, man, that there's a distinction between being a man and being a male, right? We are males by birth. We are men by choice. There are decisions that we make, seasons that we go through that help to shape the character of manhood that that oftentimes we miss because uh, we're not connected to dad, our dads, right? Um, and because my dad died at an early age, that dude didn't reach 40. He died at an early age. He died at an early age in my life. There were so many unanswered questions that I, I ruptured my life. My, my life, man, I'm talking about uh, infidelity. Uh, I'm talking about multiple marriages. I'm talking about no character at all. I'm talking about, you know, my life just spiraling. And it wasn't that I didn't have a good example in my mom. I did. My mom was phenomenal. She recently passed in February, but she was phenomenal. But but I didn't have character, bruh. Mm. So I want to tell I want to tell a story about a guy named Vincent Matthews. 
Vincent Matthews, I was in the United States Marine Corps first. I got kicked out because I couldn't swim, right? Black men don't swim since we talk black about black men. Ain't no need. Ain't no <laughs> we move <laughs> we 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 remove water from our from our lexicon during that last <laughs> trip we took. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> for sure. I, I promise you, you're going to hear that again. That's very, very true, right? <laughs> Gives me some sense of solace. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I left the Marine Corps immediately, maybe two months later, went into the United States Army. And there's a guy in when I was in Fort Sam Houston, I did basic training in Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, and then went to San Antonio, Fort Sam Houston. Uh, I was in 91 Delta Surgical Tech uh, for a mass unit. Right. And so Vincent Matthews and I were in school together. There was a guy, Vincent Matthews was a cute. He was he was an Omega guy. And inside uh, our platoon was a guy who nicknamed himself Q. So the guy who nicknamed himself Q will walk around throwing up hooks, barking, all of the symbolism right of of being an omega guy vincent figures something wrong so i remember all of us drank that night right we went out that night got drunk uh i remember to this day i still got a tattoo from the night i was drunk right <laughs> so <laughs> so vincent calls the guy over and he said hey man let me holler at you we're off in the in the distance we see vincent talking to him off in the distance right Vincent asked him some questions that the boy Q couldn't answer about being a Q. Mm -hmm. And before we knew it, bruh, he was boom, boom. So we go pull him off. I say, Matthews, what's wrong with you? He said, hey, Morton, you know the hell I had to go through? Do you know what I had to deal with to earn being an Omega guy? And this guy, once all the symbolism without the work, mm. nah, he don't, he don't get that. I feel the same thing, Brother Braswell, about what it means to be a man. It's a sacred term. Mm. You and I have paid a cost to be a Yes, sir. Go for it. So he says, nah, Morton, do you know the hell I had to go through to be a Q? It wasn't, it, I don't get it. Nobody gets the right just to throw up hooks and get all the symbolism right and not go through the hell I went through in order to be recognized as a Q, as an Omega man. It's the same thing for me when it comes to manhood. Manhood is a sacred term, bruh. All the stuff you and I had to go through raising kids, being there for our families, being a stand-up cat, right? Coming through all of the things that we had to come through in order to be recognized as a man. You don't get that just by birth. You get that because you did the work. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of guys that I see who genuinely are good cats. They're good guys. But because no one gave them the tools necessary for them to grow and to develop and to make proper choices and those kinds of things, 
I'm interested in crafting manhood. I'm interested in inviting males to become men, right? And that's not, that's not to say that we're trying to put them down. When they, come, when they come into remand, we tell them on day one, are you willing to strip yourself of the title of a man and come in as a male until you earn that manhood title, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is a fraternity of manhood where we're willing to put in the work to earn it, to be respectable brothers. And what I saw was the same issues I had uh, in developing character. Countless brothers had the same issues, and I wanted to do something about the crisis that is the adult black male. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, many dads will say, um, I didn't have a great role model for being a father. I wasn't taught how to be a father. But what they really should roll back to is I didn't have a great role model for being a man. And I have never been taught how to be a man. Absolutely. So in your experience, when you're dealing with these men, like what has... Uh, raised itself as probably one of the most common um, professional development and personal things that particularly black men are dealing with? Yeah, so great question. Guys are dealing with, first, first let me say this. I think you will agree with me. I think we got the order out of place, mm-hmm. right? We're asking, to your point, we're asking guys to be dads without first having them be men, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And it's challenging uh, when a guy lays down with his sister, has a child, sires a child, and he hasn't first developed uh, manhood and what that really looks like, right? And so, so what I am seeing with brothers is, um, and we, we invite them to have what's called a season of selfishness. A season of selfishness is this thing where I've got to get my own personal life together before I try to get my son's life together, my daughter's life together, or wife's life together, have family, business, and all these other things. I got to first concentrate on myself. There are many brothers who enter fatherhood, marriage, business, which are all selfless occupations Mm. right without first having honored a season of selfishness and what happens is if if a brother has sired a child married a woman developed a business without first honoring his season of selfishness he's going back to get it 100 percent of the time he's going back to get it we call it a midlife crisis We call it a brother who's trying to figure himself out. He is. He's going back to get a season of selfishness. So what I'm seeing with brothers is uh, they have not had expanded capacities with EQ, uh, uh, emotional uh, intelligence. They haven't had expanded capacities with AQ. Dr. Paul Stokes writes about the adversity quotient. Right. So these are brothers who are failing with uh, meeting the adverse realities that come with everyday life. So when they come up against the challenges in family, because no one's trained them on how to confront the adverse realities of everyday life, they fold 
Mm. Or they make choices that are not in their best interest. They make choices that are not in the best family's interest. So the one thing that we are seeing inside Remain and we try to foster inside every brother is how do we get him to confront and conquer the adverse realities, not run from them, not hide from them, but let's face them and let's conquer them as men. You know, it's interesting because a few now it's been a month or so ago, um, I was being interviewed by someone who asked me what was my model <clears throat> for being a man. That's what the question was. Yes, sir. And I had to like, like think for a minute. You would think that I would know that question, the answer to that question off the top of my head. And it wasn't that I didn't know it. It was just that I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to frame it. And yes, so, because it was really a question that was fresh in my head because I had just like confronted it again um, at the passing of Richard Roundtree. And mm -hmm. so I was like, you know, the interesting thing is that as a young boy growing up in Brooklyn, New York in the seventies, um, some of our first male role models were men who were part of the black exploitation space. Truck Turner, Superfly, Shaq, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, Bruce Lee, right? And so those were men and we thought that being men was being tough, right? And, and, sure. and, 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 and not being vulnerable and not being open. And then I was introduced to this character on the south side of Chicago, James Evans. James mm -hmm. Evans comes onto the scene and he's in somewhat contrast to John Schaff. But in reality, they were the same two dudes. It was wow. just one of them had decided to totally commit to a good in a way that he would be a champion and cause of the community by fighting crime. Yes, but still sir. held on to some of the moralistic characteristics of men being tough, right? Um, and and you know, there's the scene in Shaft where um, like one of his women, right? Cause he had a couple of women in Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> called them and, and the woman says I love you Shaft and he was like I know and he <laughs> hangs up the phone I'm like man that was cold that was like like today that was cold though back then yes, sir. he better not have answered that question any yes, other sir. way right? yes, sir. and then you fast forward over to James Evan champion for his family, committed to his family, concerned about mm. his community, concerned about his children, concerned about the people who were in his pers personal um, structure. Um, but also at the same time, had a level of, of, of empathy and sympathy for the women in his character, including his wife and his daughter and his next yeah. door neighbor. Um, but at the same time, never, um, reduced his manhood. He yeah. never reduced his manhood. And I wonder today, as you're working with the men that you're working with, for those men who may not have a 
father in their lives to be a good male role model or man role model, right? To, to, to lean on what you're suggesting. What are they looking at today as role models and what are feeding their psyches when it comes to manhood? Yeah, um, many of them <clears throat> get their model uh, from the barbershop, the block, um, other males in their lives that perhaps aren't fathers, but are father figures, which by the way, isn't always good, right? Uh, because it is almost the blind leading the blind. You know, I'm getting my information from the barbershop, from the guy cutting my hair whose dad wasn't in his life either. He's trying to figure it out. All of us are trying to figure it out. And so it's, it's the value of the work that you do. It's the value of the work that I do. Because contrary to what a lot of people are seeing, guys want to talk. Right, uh, they, they wanna figure it out. They wanna be the best possible brothers that they can be. Um, but when you don't have a model that you trust is going to maintain a sense of integrity and honor and character, um, it becomes incredibly difficult. So when we see our cats on, on television, we see you know, our artists on t television, rap artists, and, you know, we said maybe, maybe that's manhood. Because it used to be real clear. Man used to be really, really clear, right? Uh, and now all of us are trying to really figure out, is that it? Or, or is that it? Is it a hybrid between the two? Like, and, and, and let, let, other than the whole character issue, I believe that manhood, again, is synonymous with character. Other than that, I think that there's some fluidity with it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and how we express masculinity and manhood. So, so brothers are getting it any way they possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure you're seeing it uh, as I'm seeing it. They find a resting place in organizations like ours where they can fully be themselves, fully be vulnerable, and be around other guys who are trying to figure it out as well. It's not intimidating. It's challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and they get an opportunity to be the version that the creator has created them to be. Because here's the other thing that I think, while there is a cookie cutter, and the mm -hmm. cookie cutter for me is character, while there is a cookie cutter, I believe that the version, the, the innate version that is deep on the inside of me and the innate version that is deep on the inside of you expresses itself differently. And we have to give ourselves permission to do so, right? I'm not Kenneth Braswell. Kenneth Braswell is not Donald Morton. We are not each other, but there are some similarities and commonalities as it relates to character, integrity, honor, those things that our culture genuinely needs. So what we tell brothers is one of our signature signs is called the character arc. Mm -hmm. We tell brothers all the time that the sister or the twin, the fraternal twin to ethics is authenticity. How can I show up in the full version of who I am 100% of the time, regardless of whether anybody likes it? Mm -hmm. 
And it's that level of authenticity that breeds intimacy with my lady, uh, my staff, my team. It doesn't matter who it is, right? It, it develops that level of inter- intimacy and transparency between the two. Mm-hmm. So, so ironically, I, I just think that it's different for every guy. I think that there are commonalities, but I also think that there are some nuances when it comes to the full expression of manhood for, for every brother that, that does so. Mm-hmm. Let's shift a little bit um, to talk about our young men, like these young yes, brothers sir. out here, right? And so... Um, you know, and I refrain, you know, I get hit with this question all the time and I'm sure you get hit with it as well. You know, do you mentor? Like, and I'll tell you my answer. I don't know what your answer is, but I'll tell you my answer when I'm posed with that question. And my answer is no, we don't do that. And people will say, well, why don't you? And it's like, because my calling and my task is to build the capacity of men to serve the responsibilities that they create. And if I do my job well, you'll have less of a need for a mentor, right? Particularly yes, if you're a mentoring agency who prides yourself on being the knight in shining armor for single mothers who you believe and will say to them that men don't exist or good men don't exist or fathers don't exist. I resist that narrative, right? Yes. And so we don't mentor because my goal is to get the original mentor built and prepared to serve. Now, that doesn't mean um, in any way that we don't care about young people. And it also doesn't say that young people don't need mentors because we all need mentors for particular things. We need professional mentors. We need spiritual mentors. We need friendship mentors. We need all of those kinds of things. But we are not going to be in the business of creating mentors for the sake of quote unquote replacing their fathers. Because yeah. if you are a man and you understand what that means, you would never even utter that out of your mouth. Because any man worth his salt knows enough to know that you don't stand in another man's shoes. I don't care what situation he's in. You can be there to compensate for his absence, but you can never show up to replace his absence. So let's be clear. So that's always my no answer when people ask me that question. But here's where I want to kind of go with this. And that is I'm looking at my young boys. I got a 14 year old and a 16 year old in my house. And I remember, I don't know, Donald, if you remember these programs, there used to be these programs back in the day that uh, were at uh, etiquette programs. Remember these programs? Uh, yes, they sir. would bring men, boys in, and they would teach them about manners, right? Yes, sir. And and the, and the old season folks say, "Boy, you ain't got no manners." And we knew what that uh, we knew what that <laughs> meant, right? But I'm looking at these young generation Z boys, which is a whole nother conversation for another show. We got to come back and talk about these generations. Yes, sir. Now we're moving into generation alpha that I can't even wrap my heads around them right now. I'm still trying to deal with generation Z ones. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were going to a basketball game, my son's basketball game. And we were walking to the door. And my nephew and son was in front of my wife. I was behind my wife. And they walked and they opened the door. And they just walked in and they didn't hold the door. And my wife was like, hey, 
Like, what are y'all doing? Like, you're not going to hold the door for me? And I had this conflicting thought in my head. The conflicting thought was, I hear you. You are their mom. For all that you do for them, they should be respectful enough to want to serve you as well. Yes, sir. But if this is a gender issue, which is because you are boys, you're supposed to open the door for women, where's the point? to which we have this conversation about gender empowerment and equal spaces when you're telling boys that you should give way to everything with respect to empowerment except these things, that we still want you to be a man in this space and these are still symbolisms of being a man, holding the door, pulling out the chair, <laughs> mowing the lawn, right? Um, changing the light bulb, killing the spider in the corner of the house. Yes, sir. All of those things we're taught about as being boys as the things that men do for the household. Yes, How sir. do you help them understand the difference between the gender roles when you're telling them at the same time that gender roles are equal? Is that a challenge for you when you're working with our particularly younger men and men in your space? Uh, Yes and no. Admittedly, I'm a traditionalist. Mm. I'm a traditionalist in in many areas. But as you were talking, man, it it reminded me that I'm a traditionalist that was raised by a mom. (laughs) Right. So so what that comes with that comes with child because I'm being raised through the lens of how to be appropriate with a woman, mm. right? I'm mm-hmm. raised to think about women in a way that uh, brings them high esteem and, and love and honor because I'm being raised by a woman who says, this is how you treat a woman. Um, it is also the reason why Because I never opportunity. Hey, what is my role? What is what is my challenge? Right? What is my responsibility? So, so I'm a traditionalist, and and I often say that there's a difference between oneness and sameness. We we are equal. Women are equal in. Um, value, but we are very, very different in responsibility. I believe that with my whole heart. We are equal in value, different in responsibility. So a part of a part of what that means is because I am a traditionalist, I believe in the opening of doors and I believe in the pulling back of chairs. In fact, uh, uh, my wife now, uh, we've been married since June and, and uh, her her son, his name is Marcus, and Mark is now at Middle Tennessee State University, right? Mm-hmm. When I first met Mark, um, I could be pissed with my wife, right? I could be, I could be absolutely flaming with her, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to open her door. 
and I'm going to see her inside the car. And, and when she goes to work, I'm going to go out in the dark and I'm going to open the door. Right. Those, those. So one day he came out and he just hopped in the car. She was like, yo, you don't see Mr. Donald open my door like you. You're not going to open my. He's like, so now he's trained to do so. I'm not saying it's a good thing because I think I think you bring up a valid point. Uh, and it has made me aware now that the lens through which I approach it is through the lens of Aretha Morton. It's not through the lens of Donald Morton Sr. It's through <laughs> the lens of Aretha Morton. And I think, I think it's worth challenging the framing of how I view um, my relationship with women. And I, I'll tell you this too, I, I was in therapy God, you opens up so much, man. I, I feel like I need a couch now. I lay on the couch, right? <laughs> uh, I, I remember going to my therapist and every session I would talk about my mom. And he said to me one day, he said, hold up. Why is it that every session, we've been together five sessions now, and for five hours, you've spoken about nothing but your mother. Mm. You have such a need to honor her that you've lost yourself. You don't even know who you are because of your respect, honor, and love for your mom. So I think that, I think that there can be gender equality and still a difference in gender responsibility. Uh, so I'm still a very, very, still very much so a traditionalist in that area. That's a very good question. And I promise you it's one that I'm going to sit with even after I talk today. <laughs> <laughs> but you gave me some language. You gave me some language to help frame because I love the um, gender, you know, equality and, and gender responsibility. And you're right. And some of it doesn't have to do with gender some of it has to do with um respect admiration um honor and those things and you know the honor piece of it is biblical right and i tell our dads that all the time when they talk about the hatred that they have for their dads i'm like listen from a biblical perspective um the bible only says that you are commanded to do one thing and that is honor right Right. The Bible doesn't say you have to like, it doesn't say you have to love, it doesn't say any of those things, but you have to honor them, and if for no other reason, you have to honor them for the fact that they were one half responsible for bringing Absolutely. you to this earth, right? Absolutely. Forget the pathways on why it happened the way that it happened and all of those other things, to your point about honoring your father now, I had to come yes. to that same epiphany, which is, yes, sir. you know what? Start with honor. Start with honoring who he was and that God brought him through a pathway up to the point to which he was responsible for you being on this earth. What happened after that is life, right? That's a whole bunch of yes, other stuff. But the fact yes, that sir. he was there when he was supposed to be there doing what he was supposed to be doing to create me, I have yes, to sir. honor that one specific moment. And if you can start there, then you can build from there. But if you're trying to build from any other part of the story, right, it makes yes, it sir. very difficult um, to build 
a emotional relationship with your father when there are things in life that make you feel emotionally different, right? Throughout your life. And so you have to kind of be mindful of those things in the same way, you know, with um, the mothers, you know, of our dads. And that is, listen, dude, you can feel whatever you feel about her right now. But let's go back to honoring who she is, right? She's the mother of your child. And if nothing else, if everything else went wrong in your relationship, the moment to which this child was birthed should be honored and she should be honored along with that. If you start from there, you can get past the other stuff. You can reason the other stuff out and you can get to a place where you can co-parent together, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship. And so what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes now is the nuance, right? In the work that you're doing. And so if you are hosting a workshop and you're talking about manhood and in your class are, let's say four people, a black father, a white father, Latino father, father, and a native American father. Are you saying anything different to the four of them? And if you are, what are you saying different? Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying anything different. I I think that the, I think, I do think that there are nuances. Uh, There are nuances be, you know, as it relates to being a black father and being a white father, right? Um, Our experiences are very, very different. Uh, What is happening at a deeply cellular level is very, very different. our, our cycles are very, very different. So oftentimes, you know, when people talk to me about, why don't you just deal with all men? Because all men aren't the same. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, we really aren't. And um, however, the, the, the one thing that we all share in common, no matter whether we are uh, black, white, Latino, Native American, um, we all are fathers that have a responsibility to our children. And that's why for me, no matter who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about, there's always going to be an element that talks about character. Character, according to Dr. Henry Cloud, though, is not just the telling of the truth. We're not thinking about Enron, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the expanded capacity to deal with adversity. Mm. Uh, one, one of my favorite books, you'll know it well, is Doing the Best I Can. Mm. And they prove in that book that guys start off well, but they're met with an adversity that they don't know how to overcome. And because they don't know how to overcome it, they find another place, they find another lady and they impregnate her. And then they're met with problems there and they've run from that and they find another place. The only thing that the only difference is they've not learned how to deal with the adversity that comes with every woman. <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> that comes with every single sister. So what, what I tell brothers is this, I'm I'm wondering whether you agree with me, man. I tell brothers this, stop considering yourself 
This is hard. This is hard work, right? Stop considering yourself to be the head of your family. Consider yourself the foundation of your family, mm. the thing structured and built to carry not just the weight of the house, but also the content of the house. Because the, the truth is that with every woman is going to come baggage, trauma, pain, hurt, all of those things that we cause, others have caused, and the moment you uh, impregnate that young lady, you are now an intricate part of who that young lady is, will become, whether you want to be or not. The responsibility is now there. Here's the trip about uh, foundations. Are the single most important part of the house and the... Nobody, okay. Go for it. So the foundation of the house is the single most important part of the structure and at the same time, the least celebrated part of the structure, right? There's nobody that comes to your house, man, and says, hey, Brother Kenneth, I love the foundation of this house. Nobody does that, right? Everybody can talk about the decor of your house, the beauty of your house, the architecture of your house. No one ever talks about the most important part of it. So if brothers ever got to the place, and this is where it's hard work, this is where you've got to get your identity from God and you can't get it from the woman that you're with, your children, your family, your friends, you can't get it from anybody but God. Because if you try to get it from anyone else and you rely on the affirmations of everyone else and not the one that created you, you're going to live your life in constant frustration. The truth is the foundation, when it is strong, it can bear the weight of all of the emotional volatility that comes with a new mom trying to figure it out and you trying to figure it out. You got to be man enough to carry all that on your shoulders mm. and still know your family's going to be okay. Yeah, That's yeah. hard work. That's hard work, right? That's the work of manhood that I think when we look at males today, I wonder whether you agree with me. When we look at men today, men are a mile wide and an inch deep. When I built my home uh, years ago uh, in Delaware, the most exciting part of it was when I saw them dig that hole and pour that concrete, the depth of that, depending on how high they wanted the structure to be, and not just, <clears throat> the foundation wasn't just about whether or not it could carry the structure, they anticipated the baggage of the contents of the house. Mm. So when we go into relationships, Brother Kenneth, what if we started anticipating the baggage of the house? Not just the structure, not just the woman, but all that comes with her. Not just your children, but all that comes with them. All of the challenges that are coming with them. Then we'll begin to approach relationships differently. And we'll start doing some soul work to prepare us for relationships to last in ways that have not been able to last in times past. So that that's kind of my view mm -hmm. of uh, what I've tell every single man, no matter whether he's black, white, Latino, 
Native American, doesn't matter. You won't have to fortify the integrity of your foundation to be able to support all the stuff that's going to come with a new relationship and a new child. Wow. So, man, I got so much, so many other questions I want to ask you, but we're going to save some of it for another time because you just okay. stimulated a whole nother frame of, uh, of thought for me in terms of, you know, when it comes to the foundation, right? And so culturally, you know, and as it relates to wealth, right? Yes, sir. Like when we start a family, we always start with building the things that will sustain the current nature of our family. So we move into an apartment, we move into the smaller part of town because that's the only thing that our income can support at that time. Yes, sir. Which is very different from other cultures because they start with the end in mind, which is yes, sir. let's not have a child right now. Let's wait for two, three years. Let's get our degrees, <laughs> let's get our money and let's yes, buy a five bedroom house in the country with a big yard in a great neighborhood in a great school district because over the next 15 years we're going to begin to have kids and we want the space to expand in right and that equity and that investment in wealth starts at that point it doesn't start when you're income or wealth ready at 55 years old and now none of your foundation is building is strong enough that's right. to handle what you got. So that's, that's a right. whole nother conversation, right? But yes, you, sir. That's what you that's what you hit in me when you were saying that. So you're gonna yes, be sir. hearing me talk about that outside of <laughs> right? But let's talk about your book real quick. Talk about your book. Why the book? What should people expect from the book? Yeah, uh, we have a signature system, a signature science that we call the character arc. The character arc is an inner transformational system for adult black males um, and all of the principles of the character arc are laid out in the remand book. Mastering uh, life leadership in the sea. Uh, I believe that a man can have it all. Um, I don't think that uh, that I think we live in a society that often says that if you got a family you can't do business well. If you got a business, you can't do family well. If you got a family, you got to forget about yourself. I think you can have it all. I think you can have, I think men can have a strong business acumen without losing their families. And I think that they can also have loving families without losing themselves. Uh, it is our attempt to say that reaching your full potential is finding yourself at the intersection of life leadership and legacy. That <clears throat> you can have your personal life together, your family life together, your business life together, and nothing miss a beat. Now, obviously, each of them take precedence at certain seasons of your life and times, right? But the truth is, you don't have to, you don't have to run your organization and lose your wife and kids. I've done that. Mm -hmm. I know what it is. I was a pastor for uh, 25 years. So I know what it is uh, to be so engulfed with building a church mm -hmm. that I lost my first marriage. I lost her, right? Uh, because it, it only mattered to me that I was a good pastor. It didn't matter to me that I'd be a good husband and a good father. Mm -hmm. So so we, we come from the premise that we can have it all. The, the, if there is a book 
and I say this seriously, if there is a book that every man should have in his library, it's the Remand book. It is the Bible for black men. It is everything laid out as it relates to character development that a man will need in order to lay a strong foundation for him to lead his own life, lead his family, and lead his business. Um, we're excited about uh, what the remand. It, it's funny because at the time of this uh, recording, uh, I look out every single day out my blinds to see if the mailman's coming because I'm waiting for the initial book, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that I, can, I and my staff can just kind of look at it, make sure everything's good. Um, and then we can we can get it out to every person who has who has ordered the book. Uh, it's it's it, it's it's a great it's a great book because it talks about culture, it talks about connection, mm -hmm. and it talks about the principles of responsibility and knowing uh, where the boundary lines of our lives are. That there are things yes, men are over responsible. Black men are over-responsible. So we want to take on the responsibility of everyone, everything, beliefs, patterns, emotions. And my wife, I love my wife, but I can't, I, I can't take her emotions. Like that's hers. That's mm -hmm. hers to be able to manage. So a lot of times when we talk about responsibility, we talk about what we're responsible for. We very rarely and seldom talk about what we're, what we're not responsible for. So my wife knows we call it the law of the fence in remand. They're on my side of the fence, I got to handle my responsibility. But on your side of the fence, that ain't mine. And that's some work that you got to do in order for us to have healthy relationship. And so the book uh, just kind of draws on principles like that, uh, where brothers get an opportunity to be really, really clear about who they are as men, the power of intimacy, the power of connection, vertical connection with our creator, horizontal connection with our, our crew. Um, those kinds of conversations we're having inside the book that have made it um, a really, really good read. I'm, I'm really proud of the work that uh, that our team did on the Remand book. Mm, nice. Well, in a minute, I'm going to ask you how people can purchase the book, you know, how yes, they sir. can get in touch with you, how they can get involved with Remand. Um, but I do want to say this, and that is, you know, one of the things, um, and I was in the military too, we share Fort Bliss. I was in Fort Bliss as well. But okay. I was there in the eight, early eighties. I was at. Okay. I was a. Um, I was in the army. I wasn't in you know the Marines. Although when we were out at Fort McGregor, uh, we interacted with both Marines. So the eighty second Airborne and the Green Beret and all those folks trained out Got at McGregor. It. So we yes, were in sir. the same bars that they were in fighting nightly. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you can relate to that. So I love when you call yourself. I'm a you're going to hear me call you Morton, not, not, not Donald, because Morton is that military. Right. How we know each other, you know, yes, by our last name, which is talk about <laughs> significance is a whole nother thing. But yes, one of sir. the things is, brother, I just want to commend you and, 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 and hopefully inspire you to keep doing what you're doing. I know that we're both here in Atlanta, but one of the things that I have said over the last um, year or so is that I had to get more intentional about connections, right? Yes, and sir. because people Me say too. all the time, hey, do you know Donald? He's down in Atlanta. Do you know something? Yes, I know all of them. Mm 
As, yes, sir. Y'all need to catch up. Yeah, in theory, yeah, we probably yes, should sir. catch up. But it's, you know, I like I liken it to two locomotives going down two tracks in the same direction. Absolutely. I see you. Absolutely. The reason I see you is because we're both moving at the same speed. Absolutely. Right? And because we're yes, both sir. moving at the same speed, we both have the same power. We yes, might, sir. may not be on the same track. Yes, but sir. When we collide with that thing that we're trying to get to, yes, it's going to explode, not because I'm moving down my track fast. It is because both of us, the three of yes, us, sir. the four of us, the five of us are moving down this track. And I said that analogy to somebody and they say, yeah, I hear you. But on most train tracks, there's a station. And at some point you need to stop. Wow, wow, wow. You need to refuel. You need to connect. Yeah. Some passengers you need to let off. Yeah. Some passengers you need to let on. Yeah, yes, sir. There's some maintenance that has to take place. And I'm like, Okay, you just killed my yes. whole analogy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. And so I'm saying that to say is I got to be more intentional about creating stops. And so yes. at some point you and I have to stop, right, yes, and sir. get off and talk about our journeys because our journeys are different, where we're trying to get to so that I can always not just see you but yes, support sir. you as well. And yes, if your train slows down, I got to look over and say, hey, where's Morton's train? His train yes, needs to, his train's supposed to be right next to mine, and it's not. Now, it could be in front of me, but yes, if sir. it's in front of me, I will know that. If it's behind yes, me, I have to be such that I stop and get to the station and be like, yo, we've been sitting here for an hour. Morton's train ain't showed up yet. We, somebody yes, needs sir. to go check on and see what's going on with his train. I got to be more yes, intentional sir. about that. And then we got to collaborate, you know, a little bit. And I know people throw that word around, collaborate, collaborate. And me, in collaboration, I'm in, I am very intentional, meaning that yes, when sir. it happens, it's got to be win, 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 right, for yes, everybody. Sir. It can't be just because you want to be connected with someone. It's got to yes, be sir. because we have a singular purpose to get to yes, something. Sir. And there's one area that I've had in my mind for a while that I want to talk to you about. Okay. And I really would love to do a black male empowerment book fair. It's an odd mm. thing to do. Yes. But what it would be about is bringing in authors who have written books for black male empowerment to be in one space so that black men could come in and glean from the different books that are in that space. And yes, then have sir. some panel discussions where we talk about some of the books and some of the things. I love that. So it's not a summit, it's not a conference, it's not any of those things, but it is about creating an atmosphere where brothers can come in and get fed and be in a space with other like-minded individuals, not only on the author side of the table, but on the participatory side of the table. Man, it's just something I've always wanted to do. I, I, know I want to do it, how I want to do it, but we should sit down and talk about it because once I get something in my head, I'm about yes, trying to implement it and getting it done. Yes, so sir. Chat about doing that. And so I, I would love that. Yeah. And then some kind of a retreat. I want to do a black male leadership retreat, 
Me and okay. Patrick Patterson has been talking about this and a couple of David Miller, um, Sean Dove and others have been mm -hmm. talking about doing a black male leadership retreat. Nothing long, a couple of days, something somewhere where we go into a cabin and we just gleam off of each yes, other. Sir. We just, yes, sir. We just gleam and sit in the presence of each other and try to figure out how we can support each other in a meaningful way. So in the last couple of minutes, tell people how they get the book, how they get in touch with you, how they can keep up with your journey, all the good things that will empower people to be involved with Remand. Thank you, man. Uh, they can reach me at Remand, that's R-E-M-A-N-N-E-D.info, Remand.info. Uh, they can get the book at uh, the Remand book. Uh, dot com. Uh, they get a chance to get the hard copy of the book, the digital version of the book, and the audio version of the book for one price. Uh, we've also created a Facebook group to be able to discuss it and uh, everybody grow together. Um, I, I want to I say this before we go, um, and I, I believe it really is the spirit of God. There, there are people in my life, like Patrick Patterson, who I call a big brother to me, uh, that I'm forever grateful and willing to serve. Uh, I also know Brother David Miller. Um, but you, uh, Brother Brother Braswell, like I am always, and I, I wanna say this publicly so you can hold me accountable to it, I'm always, a phone call away. You have paved the way for guys like me. Um, and I'm grateful, right? Uh, I'm eternally grateful. And that gratitude places me in a posture where I just want to serve. If there's, if there's anything that you ever need from me, all you got to do is pick up the phone. Hey, Donald, I need you. Or Morton, I need you at such and such, such and such and such and such. It's my way of honoring the pathway that you've paved for guys like me to be able to enter this space and have some sense of efficacy with reaching guys. So I want you to know I honor you. I appreciate you. I thank, I'm thankful for your witness and for your character, for your integrity, and uh, anything that I can do to help serve your vision uh, to support uh, fathers, please don't hesitate to call. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I appreciate it because um, it's not often that, that you get that appreciation on the top side of the grass as opposed to the bottom side of the grass. Yes, sir. <laughs> so yes, sir. I'm trying to get mine, you know, while I can still read other people's appetites and not yes, sir. be able to read my own. <laughs> yes, so, sir. So thank you so much. And thank sure. all of you for joining I Am That podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kenneth Brasmo. My guest today, Donald Morton, who runs Reman. Make sure you check us out. You can get all of his information in the bio section of the podcast and in our bio link and all of the um, links and connects to him. You can get through that. Um, until next Sunday, you know how I like to leave you. Always be kind to others as you're kind to yourself, or you might find yourself by yourself. Always shoot high for your goals, because even if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. And as my good friend and mentor, Art Mitchell and John Harris always said to me, it's nice to be important, but you know what? It's much more important to be nice. And so until next Sunday, peace out.
Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad Podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.